Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. I'm, I'm really honored to receive the First Fruits offering. So if you need an offering envelope, would you go and raise up your hand right now? And then one of our ushers will bring up and God bless you. Um, we designed this to be the, the main time that we receive an offering. Obviously, when we have uh, uh, speakers in, we will take a love offering for our speakers. In fact, next week, I'm really excited. Our good friends, Joel and the Mariana from Bulgaria are going to be with us. They were here last year in a powerful uh, time and what they're doing, and they're going to be with us next week. But um, we, we've set aside this Sunday to say, hey, together, we're going to receive the offering together as an act of worship and then the rest of the month, obviously, you guys can give through the offering boxes just every Sunday, or you can, you can give, uh, as it says, uh, online. You can text to give. You can do it as a regular part of your, uh, your weekly budget. But I want to challenge you, take this thing seriously, because I believe that the Lord is going to release something today to you that's going to actually carry you in every area of your finance. There's been prophetic words for a while and they're not just prophetic words. They're, they're actually born out of the Word of God that talks about how the wealth of the wicked is actually going to be start being a transfer over to the righteous for the work of the kingdom. And, and we've seen that, and it's starting to happen all over the world. And the Lord wants to transfer something into your account, not because it's the prosperity gospel for the sake of the prosperity gospel. But it is because you're a son or daughter of Abraham. It's profound to talk to the Jewish uh, people who, have, who do, don't believe in Jesus, but, man, they've got this profound expectation that they will be blessed, that they will be healthy, and that they will take territory. Where did that come from? It's a promise that was given to Abraham. Now, we who are in Christ have been grafted in, and now we've become children of Abraham because of faith in Christ. And so there's something that's carried into this thing. And so before we receive the offering, um, I just want to give you this perspective. We, we carry different identities. And when you first come to Christ, you're a babe in Christ, and you're new to this thing, and you don't really understand everything that you have inherited. And you go through this process just like a young child does of learning obedience to kind of listen, okay, the Father said to do it, so I'm supposed to do it, and, and I have training, I have teachers in my life that actually train me on how to follow after God, because as young in the faith, as a young child, I'm supposed to be trained up in the way I should go, so that what? When I'm old, I don't depart from it. So as a young one, there's something that's, a, that, that's imparted to me, and that's a, it's a component of my identity. And there's a lot in the body of Christ that stay in that component, of just saying, oh, I, I obey God just because he's God and I, I have to obey God because I have to obey God. But how many people know that was just a starting point to go to something? Jesus started with his disciples and he treated them very much the same way. He was an intimate relationship with them, but he was training them up in the way they should go. So when he departed and the Holy Spirit came, they were able to walk out the fullness of the gospel of the kingdom. And he comes to this point, he says, I no longer call you servants, but I now call you what? Friends. There was a transition point that took place over the three and a half years that they walked with him where they went from the servant mentality, they started to become sons of God by faith in who Jesus is. Peter has this moment whenever Jesus says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. And a whole bunch of people who would have called themselves disciples of Jesus said, that's crazy, Bill, I'm out of here, and they split. 
And Peter, and Jesus turns to Peter in the group and says, what about you guys? And he goes, where would we go in you? We found life. We've given everything to follow after you. I think there's this moment where they begin to step in this place of sonship. We, we recognize the son, and we're becoming sons. And then it goes from this transition. What's the thing about sons? Sons inherit things. So when I give as a child, I'm giving out of obedience. When I give as a son, I'm giving because it's part of my inheritance, and I'm giving back to the Father who's given me an inheritance. But then there's this transition period where we go into, I no longer call you servants, but now I call you friends. See, a friend has been given resources by God, but now he's, he's uh, partnering with God. There's a co-laboring of God where I take what God has given me, and I understand as a son what is mine to inherit as my, steward, as my inheritance. But I also understand as a friend, I mean, how many people have adult dads, right? In the room, okay, they're still here. So my, my dad is 73. I have a friendship with my dad, but I'm still a son with my dad. But there's much more of a co-labor. There's much more of a friendship of working together, right? And so when there's this place where it's like, I understand I have inheritance as a son, but as a friend of God, he's placed things in my hands that are to be, to be put for the work of the ministry in the earth. Does this make sense? So now... I'm no longer giving out of obligation. I've actually understood I've inherited something and i become generous with the one who's been generous with me. And now I have a responsibility to actually sow back into the earth. And guess what? This is where the point where it says you can't outgive God. That's out of a place of not, not honoring a principle, but actually born out of relationship, born out of intimacy. I cannot outgive God. Not so that I can get some prosperous thing back in my life, but because I understand what he's given in my life, I'm giving it away. I freely understand what he's freely given me, and I'm freely giving as much of it as I can away at that revelation because he's my friend. And when I look at the planet, I go, man, lost people need a friend of God to show up. A broken governmental system needs friends of God to show up. A broken economic system needs friends of God to show up. A broken education system needs friends of God to show up. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it's, yes, I'm always a son or a daughter that's challenging some in the room. It's, it's a word for you to grow into. It's a revelation for us to say, Lord, I'm, I'm laying elementary things aside so I can step into the fullness of what you have planned for me in my own finances, in my own family, as well as my role in your world. Kingdom, does that make sense? So if you're ready to bring an offering right now, why don't you go ahead and just stand up with me, and we're just going to pray over it. And then uh, also, too, I just want to say, I told you on the email, if you don't receive my emails, make sure you fill out that connection card. Um, and if you're planning on staying here, you know, make sure we'll put you onto an email list so we can go through that. Um, but we're also going to, if you want to give towards the building, last week, how many people were not here last week? Okay, so y'all just, the first time you heard about the land was actually on the email. So we've been given six, not, well, we have been given 6.49 acres that we're in the process of receiving resources from heaven so we can actually pay the owners of the land, right? But 6.49 acres for our future site development. We're in the process right now of going through our due diligence and hopefully we will close somewhere in November, which means we're going to be bringing a down payment and we're going to be going through that. 
I have faith right now. I feel like the Lord says, I will give you keys to a building, and it's not something you're going to have to do a campaign or a building campaign over a long period of time. It's just going to be if you teach about generosity, if you teach people to seek after the kingdom, people who are here and people who aren't even here are going to sow into what God's building, okay? And so that's what we're doing. So if today you also want to give an offering that's above and beyond your, your offerings, um, you can do that as well. Just make sure in the memo line that you put towards the building. So let's just pray right now. Father, we come into your presence, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you have not just made us servants. We actually serve out of our sonship. Servanthood is not our identity, God. It's what we joyfully get to do because of who we are in you. And I ask right now this revelation of moving from a servant mentality to a sonship mentality to a friendship mentality, Lord God. Would you expand our capacity to operate in wisdom in the area of finance so that we can not just steward the resources you're putting in our hands, but God, we can actually sow, we can actually increase, we can advance the kingdom agenda everywhere it goes in this world right now. And so this first fruits offering we're bringing to you now, we're just bringing it to you with the confident expectation of your goodness and that we cannot outgive you. It's a joy to give to you what is all yours in the first place. And so thank you, Father, for your goodness and your generosity to us. And we just declare this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. amen. So if you want to, we have baskets on the front or you could do them in the back. All righty. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn two passages of Scripture. One, first one's going to be Romans chapter 6. Put a marker there. Romans chapter 6. Put a marker. And then flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And keep it open there. Romans 6. Mark it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Before I launch into the message, I just want to give you this, this concept that I've been really wrestling with the Lord with as a friend. I believe this is what it is. The question I ask him, Lord, is, is this. Father, you said you've given us everything, yet it still feels like there's areas in the world that have not yet come underneath the fullness of your kingdom. What's going on? And he says, well, my kingdom is an already and not yet proposition. Let me hear you say already. Let me hear you say not yet. There's some things that have already been released. The fullness of the gospel is already released to us. The fullness of the Holy Spirit has already been poured out into us. The fullness of the completed work of Jesus has already been done. That's, that's already here and available to us. And yet there's these not yet moments that we look forward to the future. And whether that be he's working things out in a particular way that he's got to do X, Y, Z in order for his, his best plan to come around and that's going to happen in the earth, or there's some things that are reserved for heaven. Right? There's this moment in this physical body. I love my body. I've learned to love my body. There used to be a time where I was taught that your body's evil and it's flesh. And so you're supposed to not like your body. Well, that's just stupid. It's the body I've been given. I'm called to steward this body. There was a conflation of when it talks about don't live fleshly, that's your, that was a sin nature, comparing that to your physical body. Your body's blessed, but your body died the moment that Adam and Eve actually bit into the apple. So there was this disconnection. And so whenever Jesus comes on the scene, he comes into a world that is underneath corruption, and through the work of Jesus, he completes the work to actually fully redeem every one of us 
and to redeem broken creation. Yet, there's this moment in the future when you will get a glorified body where your body does not break down, where the, all of creation will not continue to deteriorate, right? We'll, we'll enter into a moment that's not yet. But right now, I already have access to things, and I'm called to steward what I've already been given. Let me hear you say, I'm, I'm called to already steward what I've been given. So that might be wisdom, not be revelation. That might be an understanding of identity, what's your nature, what are the resources that you have at your disposal, what's your calling. You've already been given some sort of revelation insight. But there's one particular that the Lord really kept hammering home with me that we need to establish as a foundation for the already and the, the not yet will come up down the road when we get a brand new physical body. But right now, already, you are fully righteous. If you're born again, say, I am. You are already fully righteous. God said, be holy, be righteous, as I am holy, as I am righteous. When I become born again, I become fully righteous. Now, there's parts of my life, my soul has to catch up with the reality of what I already have been made into. And there's this struggle sometimes of why do I still struggle with that old sinful nature? Well, it's because you're actually dealing with the phantom pains of an old thing that's been cut away. And you have to learn how to be conformed to the likeness of the resurrected Christ. But what we end up doing, especially some parts of discipleship, that have this mentality that say, oh, well, I'm a sinner that's saved by grace, but I'm still a sinner. What is that saying? That's an I am statement. That's a, that's a nature statement. And, and that's actually, like, you didn't get saved if you're still a sinner after seeing Jesus. You have to understand what happened at the cross of Calvary. I am a sinner that was saved by the cross of Christ, the blood of Christ, the resurrection. And now on this side, I am a saint. I am made fully righteous now. And you say, well, why do I still struggle? Because you still remember what it was to be the old man. And it's easy to allow ourselves to be conformed to an old nature that we're very familiar with. And what Jesus is calling is to say, hey, you need to discard this thing and not give your body as an instrument of a thing that was killed on the cross with Jesus. You need to give yourself as an instrument unto righteousness. You need to conform yourself, your belief systems, your thought patterns, your memories, your emotions. You need to conform it to the image of Christ. And this is an ongoing responsibility we have. What's interesting, though, it's not works-based. You didn't save yourself, and you're not going to conform yourself. So what, what role do we play? Your will. I always, always, always have a free will. I can choose today to be conformed and give myself as a slave to sin, or I can choose as an act of my will to freely give myself unto righteousness. And in that place of choosing actually begins to develop the fullness of the already inside of you. 
where you begin to go, like, I don't even have, it's like Jesus being tempted in the desert place. One of the reasons I taught you several weeks ago about Jesus and warfare and how he dealt with the temptation of the devil is Jesus never sinned. But he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet he was without sin. So when you realize, wait a minute, I am fully righteous, but that old thing that used to catch me, that old thing used to trip, trip me up, it's coming back to bark at me, and I just have to realize that's not me. That's not part of me. That's not mine. If it's not found in Jesus, it's not for me. I am the righteousness of Christ. So let's look at this and make this biblical. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Let me tell you what it's talking about. It's not talking about just the physical body. It's talking about the flesh nature that had the capacity to choose to sin. Jesus was born into this world, 100% God, but 100% man, with the capacity to choose to sin. If he could not sin, then his death on the cross meant nothing. Because, <laughs> of course, God's righteous. But if Jesus came as you, now it means something in this equation. And it says this, we used to regard Jesus before he died on the cross and resurrected up. We understood the way that he lived a life, fully submitted to his Father, fully underneath the power of the Holy Spirit. He was tempted in every way that I'm tempted, and yet he was without sin. And I used to only understand him from that perspective. But now it says this, I don't regard him according to the flesh anymore. What do I regard him as? Look what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. What new thing came out of the death who had actually paid for? Let me give you this insight real quick. Jesus conformed to your sin nature on the cross so that you could be conformed to his resurrected nature. Jesus conformed himself to your sin nature, my sin nature, so that it could actually be dealt with once and for all so that therefore, through resurrection, now I am conformed to the resurrected Christ. So I'm going to read this again. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh. We recognize no one. That means we're not supposed to engage each other according to fleshly things anymore. We're supposed to be in the Spirit of God. We're supposed to have the eyes of Christ from the Spirit realm. We're supposed to have the emotions from the Spirit. We have to, as we're seated with Him, I regard people now, no longer according to what's wrong with them, but according to the righteousness of Christ that's possible for them. That's why I can look at a sinful world and not get mad at them. I mean, we, church, listen to me on this. Yes, the dark agenda is being advanced in government, in schools, in all kinds of places in our world, and especially coming out of our kids. And we should have a righteous indignation about that, 100%. But we have to fight the right battle. The right battle is my battle's not against flesh and blood, but against a principality. I don't regard things according to the flesh anymore. I understand there's a spiritual battle that's going on. And so, therefore, I can see people who are caught up underneath that spirit. And now I have a compassion for somebody who's promoting death. Because I'm going, you need to know Jesus. I'm not mad at you. 
Jesus was, when Jesus got to the planet, every person on the planet was lost. You think it's hard to live in a world, and when we live in a Bible belt, there's a bunch of Christians everywhere. And we think it's hard to be in a world where there's lots of sin going on. Imagine Jesus showing up and no one is righteous. And yet he didn't regard them according to what was wrong with them. He came to become what was wrong with them. So he could deal with it once and for all. So that they could be returned back to this choice that Adam and Eve had. Adam, Eve. Eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil and die. Adam and Eve, eat from the tree of life and live forever. Righteous. Sin. What's it going to be? And he gives us a choice. He always empowers you to live in a choice. So no longer regard, when you get in this moment, you're praying for what's going on in the world. And if you see a particular politician, you see a particular issue that's going on, and all of a sudden you get burned up inside your I'm going to use the language, you get pissed off. And you're like, ah, ah. You might not do it on the outside, but that's what's going on in your heart. Can we all be honest? That's the moment to say, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm being conformed to an old man, Jesus. How can I conform myself to the likeness of Jesus and still take care of the same problem? You don't fight fire with fire. You fight fire with the righteousness of Jesus, the goodness of God that brings you wisdom, that brings you insight, that brings you power, that does bring you fire, but fire not of this earth, but a heavenly fire. It says God is an all-consuming fire. What is that? His love consumes these things. But you have a choice. So therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we've known Christ by the flesh, yet we Know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're in Christ, say, I am. If you're not, we're going to give you a chance to accept Jesus today. If you're in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of of reconciliation. This is why I'm telling you, you cannot be conformed to an old nature in order to fight the nature of the world. Because you've been given a ministry of reconciliation. And you can only reconcile the world according to what you've been conformed to. Let's say it again. You can only reconcile what you've been conformed to. If you don't know what the righteousness of Christ is, you can't actually reconcile a lost world to righteousness. Because you don't think you're righteous. But God isn't all to him. I have faith in him, and he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's like, no, no, no. I made you righteous so you could do it. You are the image. Look what it says. Verse 19, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them, and he's committed to us the word. Let me hear you say the word. You've been given the power of the word. There's power in the preaching of the word. A word of reconciliation, not division, reconciliation, not division, reconciliation. 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. And we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. 
What are we doing when we're talking to the world? Be reconciled to who God created you to be. I'm calling people into created identity so that when they do give their life to Christ, they're stepping into. They're not getting away from sin. They're stepping into what they were always created to be. Did you know government is actually God's idea? The government of heaven, your kingdom, it's government. Did you know God's not against economics? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He, he knows economics. You know, God's not against education. He says, teach these to your children. God is not against man and woman. He created them male and female for a purpose. Do you hear us? Angry at them? They're not going to be reconciled to your anger. But when they see that God is in you, loving them where they're at, and pleading to them to be reconciled according to his nature and his love, guess what happens? That's appealing. Because let's be real honest. Sin might be appealing, but for a moment. But like any addiction, you need more and more and more to get the same satisfaction. And pretty soon you realize, this don't work. But the love of God always works. Look what it says here. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him, listen to this, who knew no sin to be sin. In other words, he conformed to sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Lead me into the fullness of that truth. He made Jesus, who didn't know what sin was, never had given himself to sin, had never chosen to be separate from his Father, to actually be conformed to sin, so that we might be conformed to the righteousness of God in Christ. This word become is actually an interesting word. It's a transition word. It's saying you're going from this point to this point. More pointedly, it says you're going from one realm to another realm. The Son transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness and you became, by being transformed, formed, transferred into the kingdom of light, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. If you're born again, say, I am. I want you to seriously take a moment and make this statement, I am fully righteous. I just want that to sit in the room. Some are going to feel uncomfortable because you still got phantom pains of an old nature. But we don't live according to phantom pains of an old dead man. We live according to the Spirit of God. I'm not led by the flesh. I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm not led by. I'm not conformed to the flesh. I am led by. I'm conformed by the Holy Spirit of God, which means I'm fully righteous. There's a minister I like, um, and I'm actually going to share his message with the school, probably our leadership team. Um, but he made this statement that really threw me a couple weeks ago. He said this, if you're the righteousness of Christ, that means you're just as righteous as God. 
And there was something inside of me that went, eh, but am I? Am I really? And I had the process with the Holy Spirit. He says, no, 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 that's not saying that you made yourself righteous. But if he made you righteous, you're fully righteous. It's not like God says, all right, I'm going to make people that are kind of in my image. I'm not going to kind of save them. I'm going to let them suffer a little bit with the sin thing for a while because it amuses me. I'm going to send them cancer to teach them a lesson. Can we all be honest? Those are things that have been believed in the body of Christ before. I'm not mad at those people. This, they just had a certain level of revelation. But what I'm telling you is, if we're going to be ambassadors for Christ, we better realize what we're ambassadors of. Reconciling to the fullness of Christ means reconciling to a righteous nature. Did you save yourself? No. Did you make yourself righteous? No. Did he? Be conformed to that. Stop trying to come up with reasons, man-made reasons, why that can be true with you still being humble. We automatically enter this place of saying like, well, if you think you're righteous like God, then all of a sudden pride has entered into your heart. That's actually a prideful statement. Because I'm telling God what he did wasn't enough. That's pride. It's actually the height of pride to say he can't make you righteous. We're going to stir some stuff up in the spirit so we can settle this thing. So that as you guys leave here, you're not going to be attacked by the same old thing anymore. I want to see a people who are fully conformed to the image of Christ, so much so that when we go out, there's more ministry happening out there than what's happening in here. That's the way it should be. Absolutely the way it should be. Like at times people say, well, hey, pastor, you need to come talk to my coworker. No, how about you talk to your coworker? I have zero relationship, zero favor with them, but you do. I'll pray with you teach you how to step into the fullness of who God made you to be, and then you go bring Jesus to them. We can't, we can't recycle an old system that says it's got to be the man of power for the hour. No, 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 no. There's only one man of power, and that's Jesus. And I'm conformed to his image. So let's go back to this again. I'm going to read this verse one more time. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus, so that I might become, that I've been fully transitioned into the righteousness of God in Jesus. That's true about me. That's true about you. Now, what are you going to do with it? Joshua, one of my favorite characters. Choose whom today you're going to serve. I wrote this note when I was in worship, said, this works for Jesus. Jesus did the work, so it's not self-effort. It's in accordance with the belief that I have been made fully righteous in Christ and that I'm conformed to the nature of the eternal, resurrected Jesus. You're going to manifest who or what you choose to serve. You're going to manifest who or what you choose to serve. 
The Bible is filled with theology that talks about that one statement, boils it down. Choose him today, you're going to serve. Because your life is going to be conformed to what you choose to obey. So in this place, if I come into it, I finally say, realize, that old man died. I'm going to stop conforming. I'm going to stop serving. If you dealt with addiction and that thing comes up and you're like, oh, it's so hard to avoid the addiction. No, no, no. Once you turn to Jesus and say, and you and Jesus look and go, he's going, I actually killed that on the cross. Here's the moment when I died on the cross and said, it is finished, that that addiction stopped becoming your addiction. You hear what I'm saying? You're not fighting against the tide of war against the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is fighting the tide of light and righteousness that's rolling through this world. Just read how many times in Scripture it talks about water and river, Ezekiel's river. It's going to start in the the temple and it's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It says the glory of God will cover the earth. As the oceans cover the seas. There's a tide that's turning. You're a storm that's waiting to be unleashed on the kingdom of darkness. I'm not afraid of a storm. Jesus slept through a storm. Why? Because he knew he was the righteousness of his father. You say, well, how does that play out? He was baptized by his cousin into the priestly duty. His father says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. He sends the Holy Spirit down upon Jesus. And now Jesus becomes our model. Everything he did was in right relationship with his father underneath the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you live this righteous life? In right relationship. What does God say about you? If you think that you're just a servant, time to get past that baby mentality. I'm going to say it. I love you. But if you still, I'm just a servant, I'm just a servant. Time to grow up. Are we friends? I know I'm preaching to the crowd to a great extent. But I'm just telling you, we we need to get out of these mindsets. No, I serve my father because I'm his son. Not because I am identified as a servant. Servants don't know what the father's going to do. So if you believe that you're a servant, guess what? And you pray, God, what's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to work? What's going to go on? And then you're like, he's just not answering me. What do you identify as? If you still identify as a servant, you relate to God only as a servant, you could poss- no, never possibly know what's going to happen. He can't release that revelation to a servant. But he will to his sons and daughters. Even deeply, he'll will to his bride. There's things I tell Kelly that no one on planet Earth will overhear. It's in the place of intimacy, of covenant. I'm just telling you, there's something that God wants to do in you. So be conformed to the image of Jesus the Son. His earthly life was submitted fully to the Father. He learned obedience before his public ministry both to his earthly parents and to the Jewish laws and regulations. Jesus, in his earthly life, age 30, he's baptized into his priestly role while also being baptized by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus did everything in obedience to his Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And that includes temptation without sinning. So you can conform your daily life to the way Jesus dealt with temptation, the way he dealt with a lost and broken world around him. He, he lived in relationship with his Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But then there's this next step. We need to be conformed to the resurrected life. On the cross, Jesus conformed to the image of sinful man so it could be put to death. But in the resurrection, we are conformed to his image now. It's not reserved for just heaven, but it will be fully realized then. In the flesh now, I can be conformed to the resurrected Christ. One of the examples of this is the transfiguration. He goes to the Mount of Transfiguration, takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain point. And he comes to this place where all of a sudden, like, Jesus is, like, the, 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 the fleshly tent he was wearing is pulled back, and you see the glory of God. He's bright. He's shining. It's like, it, oh, this is Jesus who created the earth before the foundations are. This is the one who created everything. And it's pulled back, and here comes Moses, and here comes Elijah. And Peter and, and the guys are going like, holy cow, this is amazing. And they said, why don't we build a tabernacle? What's a tabernacle? A place of worship. Let's build a tabernacle for you, for Elijah, for Moses. And then they disappear and the father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We have to come into this place of realizing that even while Jesus was walking the earth, he was living the resurrected life. You just have to look for it in scriptures. Let me give you another example of it. He's in a, he, in a crowd of people. He makes a statement that we think mad, and they want to throw him off a cliff, and it says, and Jesus passes through them. We think he did this. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. That's not what the scripture said, because they were hell-bent on throwing him off the cliff. If he was doing this, they would have picked him up and tossed him right over the side. No, he says he passes through them just like he passed through the closed door on the night of resurrection because he was fully resurrected. There's no boundaries. What are you allowing to encase your belief system? What are you allowing to limit you from stepping into the fullness of the resurrected Christ. We're not going to get to Romans, but all I'm going to tell you is read Romans 6 and read Romans 8. Actually, you know what? I do. I got time. Flipping your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 real quick. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it, how shall we who died in sin still live in it? Or who died to sin, excuse me. Far from it, how shall we who died to sin still live in sin? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead... Through the glory of the Father, so too we, may we walk in the newness. Let me hear you say the newness, the newness of life. Verse 5. For if we've become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be like in the likeness of his resurrection. Let me hear you say resurrection. Let me hear you say conformed. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, 
so that we no longer are slaves to sin. For the one who has died is freed from sin. Notice it says freed. What can a slave do? It can return back to its former master. And I'm telling you, be conformed to the new likeness. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. Let me say for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Let me hear you say to God. Let me hear you say eternity. Notice the difference. For one time, temporal time, he had to die. But he doesn't live in, in temporal time. He exists outside of eternal time. My righteousness, I'm seated with Christ in an eternal realm. That's where it's held up. And look what it says, verse 11. So you too, over to Romans chapter 8 real quick. And while you're doing that, Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in this flesh is lived by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Righteousness. That's for you. Stop trying to resurrect. Stop using the power of resurrection to resurrect an uh, old dead man, an old nature. Just live out of the one resurrection that you need in Christ Jesus now. Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there's no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Man, I read that all the time during COVID time. Was it, uh, which one of the famous healers? Smigglesworth? Was it Smigglesworth? The one down in South Africa went down because they, they, people were dying like crazy. And he just, he, they were laying hands on the sick. People were recovering. They didn't wear any of the, the mask or cover up or anything like that. And the doctors were amazed because John G. Lake and his, his team weren't getting sick with, with, with the bubonic plague is what it was specifically. And they're like, what is it? And he, he quotes them this scripture. He quotes them says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and of death. And he says, This thing has no, nothing on me because it lives according to the law of death. I live according to the law of life. So much so that they actually put a particle of, of the bubonic plague in his hand, and then they were able to examine it underneath the microscope and watched it die. How big are you thinking? The righteousness of God overcomes that. But we want to make this just about I get into the heaven. Instead of what was the prayer of Jesus? Heaven invade earth. It says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. How do you live according to righteousness? Walk according to the Spirit. Anytime you conform yourself to the old man, you start to walk according to the flesh, you will manifest according to the flesh. 
But if you realize I've been rectified, I've been, I've been sanctified, I've in this place, I'm reconciled with Jesus, I live according to the Spirit, I begin to manifest what? The Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. The purposes of God. It begins to manifest in my life because I'm intentionally choosing the way I'm going to be conformed to. They set their minds. This is how you conform yourself according to your mind. Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might know the perfect and pleasing will of God. Connect that to here. Same guy wrote it, same book. For those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are in accord with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself. Let me say, it does not subject itself. When I conform myself to the old man, I can never obey God. I never will. Satan will never obey God because he set his mind in rebellion. For it is not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. That's why Jesus had to come for you. You couldn't even set your mind on God before. Jesus had to come and set your mind on him for you. He made an opportunity, made a way. His grace comes on you and it empowers you to accept the, the gospel of Jesus. Verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, listen to this, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Listen to what it's going to give you. But the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also Listen to this. Give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. Too often we've kicked that off to either I die and I go to heaven or Jesus comes back and I'm waiting for a rapture. And what he's saying is right now, do you have a mortal body? Jesus hasn't come back yet. You still have a mortal body. You're still breathing. So you're not there with him and he hadn't come back. So you're not there with him. So that means you have a mortal body. And what this says is, even though your body is going to decay, while you're in this physical body, he can actually, according to righteousness, give you life that extends your life. That's why unforgiveness leads to many things, including arthritis, stomach issues, digestive issues, a whole other stuff. Why? Because I'm coming into alignment. I'm setting my mind in an old pattern, and it actually brings decay. It takes the decay that's in my body, and it only accelerates it. You say, well, wait a minute. What about the righteous person who does this all right and still dies of a disease? That's a mystery for me, but I'm not going to make up a reason. Benny Johnson, who's the wife of Bill Johnson, they've seen cancer healed numerous times, and she died just recently with cancer. What do you do with that? It's a mystery. But what I do know is the already has now become now. The not yet part where I tell you it's already and it's not yet, she's living in the, the not yet. She's fully in the yet now. 
I'm not responsible for the not yet. When's Jesus coming back? Not yet. Not my responsibility. But what am I already responsible for? Be an ambassador for Christ. Reconcile the world to come in alignment with this. Why don't you stand up with me? I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads just so you can get intimate with the Lord. And I want you to ask this question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me specifically today? you hear a voice that tries to point out condemnation, it's not the voice of Jesus. Don't conform to a voice that tries to take you backwards. Instead, make a choice as an act of your will today to be fully conformed to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And rise. He made you the righteousness of God. It's not a second class righteousness, it's God's own righteousness that He made you in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're sitting there now and you say, I don't know that I've ever been born again, it's time to give your life fully to Him. Or maybe you say, there was a time that I gave my life to Christ, but man, I've been, I've been conforming to an old man for too long, and I need to come back in and fully give my life over to him. If that's you right now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. It needs to be in your heart with the Lord. And right now, I just want you to say, I fully agree with the Bible. I fully agree with the Holy Spirit. I fully agree with what Jesus did on the cross. I recognize that Jesus became my sin. So it could be dealt with. And I could become the righteousness of God in Jesus. So today I surrender myself to him. Holy Spirit, fill me. Do the work of reconciliation. Reconcile every thought, every belief system. Transform me. Renew my mind so that I might become the perfect will of God on the earth. I thank you for my salvation. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.